0: You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. Today, we're going to deal with perhaps one of the most famous stories in all the Bible. To set the stage, let me ask this question How do you live when you don't get the life that you want? So for how many of you, this is not exactly the life you had hoped for? I mean, I'm still praying that I get a growth spurt to be 6'6 so I can dunk a basketball. Okay, there are some disappointments, some large, some small. The storyline of Daniel is this. Is he in the nation that he wants to be in? No, he's not. Has he got the family that he had hoped to have? No. No. The first thing they did was make him a eunuch, so he can't even have a family. Is he able to attend the university of his dreams? No. In effect, they sent him to the University of Babylon. It was, we're going to retrain you, our education, our culture, our religion. What about his job? Well, he works for a series of godless leaders, and part of his performance review is a lion's den, so that's kind of terrible. He doesn't get the life he wants, but he lives the life that God laid out for him. Daniel, at this point in the story, is in his 80s. In chapter 1, he was a teenager. Now that we're entering chapter 6, it's roughly 70 years of his life that's gone by. And there's no indication at this point that he's going to turn the corner, that he's going to have everything go awesome, that he's going to have this never- wonderful you know always wonderful storybook ending that's not going to happen but he's faithful and faithfulness is the result of faith you can only be faithful to God if you have faith in God and Daniel chapter 6 is one of the greatest stories in the Bible on faith here's how chapter 6 opens it pleased Darius and now this is a new king we'll hear about him more in a moment It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps, these are leaders, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. You got three administrators ruling all like tied for second in command in all of the empire, Underneath them are these other leaders then. Daniel is one of those three. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. He did such a great job that it's going to look like he did a really bad job because of what's going to happen to him in a few moments. He so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So now the plan is he's no longer going to be tied for second in command. He's going to be second in command. At this, the administrators, that means the other two, and the satraps, tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs. So here comes the critics and the enemies. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. Kind of buttering them up. The royal administrators, here's what they say to the king. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed. We'll come back to that in a sec. They've all agreed, we've all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into, here it is, the lion's den. They keep going. Now, majesty, issue the decree. Put it into writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law, of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. All right, let's look at the cast of characters as we've seen them. The first one on the scene is King Darius. Now, up to this point in Daniel, we've been concerned with the Babylonian Empire. That has now been overtaken by the Medo-Persian Empire. So we've gone from Babylon's King Nebuchadnezzar and his family to this new king, Darius, And what is it that Darius wants to do as the new king but set up a brand new government, new political leaders, new legal system? Well, if you're going to set up a legal system where everyone has equality and dignity under the law, it's best to get a guy who knows God's timeless laws, who's filled with the Spirit of God, who knew that God was the lawgiver. Great news. Daniel has a job in the new government. He has now been serving multiple political leaders, multiple government agencies, multiple generations, and he's still chosen because he can be incredibly helpful to King Darius. The next set of characters in the story are the 120 satraps. These would be like our district courts. But then over them is like the appeals court, like the Supreme Court, if you will. They had three of them called administrators. Daniel is one of those three, which is amazing of itself. He was a slave, not even a part of this nation, a part of the previous administration. And yet, what does Darius think of him? He thinks Daniel's pretty awesome. And it's said that he chose Daniel because of his exceptional qualities. Another translation will say, because of Daniel's excellent spirit. That means the spirit of God was at work in Daniel. So Daniel is chosen for this high honor. As I said, he's now in his 80s. And you know, we have a lot of older saints in this congregation. Older meaning older than me. I'm one of the young guys. Here's the point. Just because you're older doesn't mean you're done. Just because you've retired from your vocation doesn't mean you've retired from your devotion to God, right? God is still teaching you. God still has lessons for you. God still has trials and ministry opportunities and needs that only you can fill. So think about this. For roughly 70 years, Daniel has served a succession of ungodly kings And yet he's always near the top. He's part of the council. This is a guy who would be well-known. And what would we say about someone such as this today? we say, oh, he's a sellout. Look, he's serving our enemies. Shouldn't he disassociate? No, he stays in so that he can be a witness of his God. That's why he's there. Look, if all believers left their places of influence, then nobody would know about God. They'd have no hope for their future. So there's a few things I want to share here. Number one, if you are filled with the Spirit of God and you are faithful to God, you can be helpful to any leader or organization. Let me just tell you this. Leaders are looking for people of character and consistency. That's why Daniel keeps getting chosen, because he has character and he has consistency. Number two, being spirit-filled is ultimately about bringing the character of Jesus Christ under pressure. It says of him that he was chosen because he has an excellent spirit. Now, previously, in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, the pagan Babylonian king, Looked at Daniel several times in that chapter and said, here's a guy that the Spirit of God is in. Last week, chapter 5, Nebuchadnezzar's wife said to her grandson, who was going through a, an ordeal, I mean, just seeing fingers write something on a wall. She said, go get Daniel. The Spirit of God is in him. This means Daniel has the fruit of the spirit of God in his character. Under pressure, his character is revealed. Under pressure, your character is revealed. And that leads to number three, character counts. This guy has been in politics for 70 years. They do this big investigation. What do they find? Nothing. Let me just say, it's possible to have good character in a bad world. I couldn't even imagine Daniel running for office today. All the news outlets, well, well let's do this. And, and we're going to scramble to see what we can uncover from him, about him. Talk to his neighbors and his family and former teachers. And let's, let's leave no stone unturned. There's got to be something on this guy. We're going to get some dirt. We've done all of this. And we came up with nothing. Nonetheless, the critics, the enemies, rise up. And just so you know, in every organization, there are critics and enemies and there are prophets. And the critics and enemies don't like the prophets because the prophets will say and do what is right. So the critics and enemies say and do what is wrong in an effort to take down the prophet. They're operating from jealousy, pride, control issues, selfish ambition, And you need to know that every time God calls you to build something, Satan is going to send someone to try to break it down. That's what's happening here. God is allowing Daniel to build this nation, this new empire. And these jealous, prideful, selfish people are coming in to try to break Daniel before he can get started. And so what do they do? They start this full surveillance operation. Now here's what we know about critics They don't play by their own rules. Here's what they don't say. Let's do a background check on everybody. No, it's one guy. This is not law and equality, right? And they're ultimately liars because they come to the king and they say, we talk to everybody. Everybody agrees 100% unanimous vote. We're all in. You, O king, get to be God for a month did they really talk to everybody? Did they really go to every single leader and say, hey, are you in on this? Did they talk to Daniel, who's about to be their boss? Because if they did, I can guarantee you Daniel didn't say, okay, let's murder me. Who wants to vote? Here's a great leadership lesson. This is what happens when a good leader takes a makes a bad decision because the decision was made with wrong information. The leader here is King Darius. He's a decent leader. He's certainly a lot better than those other guys that were before him. But ultimately, he gets bad information, and misinformation leads to the wrong decision. This is why, as leaders, sometimes we need to literally go get our own information we need to go find out the facts for ourselves and not just trust the information that's been given to us. Here's what they thought. Okay, we've got this new empire, new nation, all kinds of people. They've been plundered and, under, and overtaken. We need a new unity. Let's start this new religion, O oh king. Now, they had this ulterior motive. They haven't exposed all of it yet to the king. But they come with this idea, hey, here's a way to get unity. Let's make you king for a month well if you were the king maybe you think hey that sounds like a pretty good deal I don't need to be God forever a month sounds about right they can rewrite all the songs in church to be about me people can give their heart to me that sounds good So King Darius kind of gets suckered into this. They appeal to his pride, which is always going to be our downfall. He signs it into law. The law is irreversible. It's like the word of God about the only thing that compares to what they're thinking, the law of the Medes and Persians. You know, once that's written down, that's it. Once God writes it, you're not supposed to edit it, alter it, water it down. They're thinking in biblical terms, but they don't know the God of the Bible. So rather than following God's laws, they're making their own laws, and they're trying to treat their laws like the Word of God. Let me just say, your rules, your laws, your preferences are not the Word of God. They don't see the difference. So the story continues and Daniel is under great duress and he has to respond in one of two ways, either faith in God or fear in his circumstances. That's always true of you and me. Whatever we're faced with, is it faith in God or fear in our circumstances? Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. That's where Jesus is going to come. That's where his faith was pointed. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Here's what's key. Just as he had done before. This is his habit. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Look how underhanded this is. So we're going to go to the king. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you your majesty would be thrown into the Here it is. Lion's den. King answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. That was my kingly voice, by the way. <laughs> I know it sounded more divine, but that was king. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing, he still prays three times a day. You know, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the nerve of this guy. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. He's freaking out. He likes Daniel. Daniel is helpful to him. And sometimes when you've got a God-sized problem, only God can save you. The men went as a group again. So now, you know, Darius has tried everything he could think of throughout the day. How am I going to get Daniel out of this situation? They went back to him as a group and said, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law, the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, and this was the hope of his heart, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. The king returned to his palace, spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. He was up all night. The law got put into place. Darius cannot undo what he has done, but he regrets what he has done. Now, Daniel has some options. Uh, Upon learning of that original decree, he could have run. He could have said, That's it. I've been here for 70 years. That's long enough. I'm out of here. He could wrongly worship the king. He could be like, Well, you know what? For 30 days, I'll backslide. I'll worship the king in this new religion. That's fine. 30 days are over with. I'm sure the God who loves me will walk me back. I'll just backslide for 30 days. What else could he do? He could protest, throw a fit get a hashtag, turn himself into a martyr. What else could he do? He could compromise. Okay, for 30 days, I'll pray to God in my home in a closet, but publicly, (laughs) yay, Darius. Yeah, I can be a hypocrite. Or he could do what he always does. I've been praying every day my whole life, I'm praying today. How many of you have seen this in the kids' storybook Bibles? And and Daniel is is illustrated as as a kid about what age? You know, young guy, right? He's not, he's in his 80s. He's not skateboarding to the lion's den. So, a couple things here. Sometimes you get in trouble for doing the right thing, you were honest, and it got you in trouble. You came clean with your faith at a public university, and lo and behold, they didn't like your stance. Your boss told you to do something that you knew was wrong. You said no. They said you're fired. You see, the Bible's not just about what happened. It's what always happens. So here Daniel loves, worships, and serves God and blesses others, and the critics want to create laws to restrict him from living out of his biblical convictions. Does this still happen? Oh yeah. How many of you have a child, a grandchild in in a university? As soon as you set foot on a public university, you can basically throw out most of your constitutional rights. There's not freedom of speech, but there are safe zones. So freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly go out the window. And what happens is people try to enact laws to capture the next generation and brainwash them So that they would conform to the spirit of this age rather than conform to the spirit of God. What about you that are parents from kids, kindergarten through 12th grade? Any of you a little freaked out about where some of the curriculum is headed? One of the latest is sex education in elementary school. And of course, that includes. Let's teach kids about all kinds of sexual identity and gender roles and everything else that goes against God's word. So if the parents know and serve and love the Lord and the state wants to undo that, why does the state have that authority? Because someone got into a policy-making position. This is where we need people like Daniel to be in a position of authority to represent God with integrity and conviction. Daniel has faith in God. Does that mean that God has to deliver him? No, and Daniel doesn't know that. Daniel doesn't say, hey, my God does lion's dens, I'm not worried. Daniel knows. Either God's going to deliver him through it, or he's going to deliver him by it. He's going to get me through this lion's den, or I'm going to die and stand before God. But either way, I'm going to make it to the other side, and God is going to be there waiting for me. But you got to know Daniel's secret. Your character is only as strong as your prayer life. The reason he has character for 70 years It's because he has been regularly praying for 70 years. Prayer is how you march into battle and how you march through your battle. That's what he's going to do. And know this, prayer is not so much about God changing the future as it is about God preparing you for your future. Most of the time we pray, we're like, God, I see where this is going change it fix it i don't like it look god knows what's going to happen he knows what needs to be done god knows that you're going to go through it so you're like god change it he's like wrong prayer god change me okay right prayer so what's going to happen At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried. It's kind of like Easter morning, isn't it? He ran. He couldn't wait to see what took place. He got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lion's den? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. You have always had your best interests at heart. My God loves you too, by the way. The king was overjoyed. And gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den. You don't see this in your kid's Bible. Along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Some people have speculated, well, the reason why Daniel was unharmed is because the lions weren't hungry. Yes, they were. The point is, you only get delivered if you know God. You need Daniel's God. Not only did Daniel go to Babylon to make God known, Jesus came from heaven to earth to make God seen and known. Ultimately, Jesus Christ is Daniel's deliverer. Only Jesus could save him. It all comes down to whether or not you worship, believe in, and belong to Daniel's God. So, look, I love you. And I want you to make the most important decision of your life, and that is who your God is. Daniel is faithful to God. But Jesus comes and shows us that God is faithful to us. So when you place your faith in God, you are guaranteed eternal deliverance. If you don't know Jesus, you need to give him your life. This also gives me an opportunity to ask, does God still deliver? Yes, he does. How many of you, God has delivered you from a pit where it felt like you were surrounded by lions? Like you got into a a hole that you couldn't get out of and you're like, I don't know how to get out of this. How many of you have been there and God delivered you? Or how many of you right now, this pit, this lion situation is what you're in and you're wondering, can God get me out? Well, here's what I'll tell you. God can get you out. I can't give you a promise. I can't make God do anything. But from the story of Daniel, he gets delivered from a pit. There's another guy. Joseph, his story is in the book of Genesis. He gets delivered from a pit. There's another guy, Jesus. He gets delivered from a pit, a grave. It seems like God is capable of doing this. But in midst of these situations, the key is, will you respond with courage or compromise? The story concludes this way. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And this is the beginning of the return of God's people 700 miles back to their homeland in in Israel, from where, in fact, Jesus would come. Now, does Daniel show courage or compromise? Courage, of course. And courage is infectious, so is fear. If you're afraid, almost everybody around you will be afraid. If you are courageous, other people get courageous. You know, to encourage someone literally means to pour courage into them. All it takes is one person to have the courage to say and do what is right in the sight of God with a humble heart and a loving disposition. And all of a sudden, other people can borrow from that faith until they get courage. Daniel has courage. To live in this world, you're going to need courage. And courage is infectious. King Darius had fear, but now he has courage. Uh, We don't know if he was converted. We have to leave that up to Jesus. But ultimately, he has the courage to tell everyone, hey, that first decree I made uh, that was about worshiping me as God, okay, I've edited that. My next decree is, please don't worship me. Worship Daniel's God. What if Daniel would have compromised They wouldn't have seen his courage. He wouldn't have given God the opportunity to deliver him. But he does what is right. And he lets God be the one to determine his future. And did you notice King Darius in this amazing instance has an opportunity to tell the whole world who Daniel's God is? And that's why we need to pray for leaders It's why we seek to have believers be college professors and lawyers and politicians, and we want to be in places of influence, not so that we can control, but so that we can communicate who our God is, so that they can trust that He is the one who is in control. And Darius tells us several things about God. He says that Daniel's God is global, He's over all peoples, nations, and languages. He says that Daniel's God is personal. He's a living God. That God is eternal, enduring forever. That God has a kingdom that will never be destroyed. He says that the God of Daniel is good. He delivers, he rescues, and that he is, in fact, declared Savior. Let me say this. You may not prosper in this life. But Daniel goes from a pit To a palace. If your God and Savior is Jesus Christ, life on this earth is your pit. And one day they will dig another pit and place your body in it. And Jesus will take you to his palace. So let me speak some truth over you. Let me encourage you. Jesus is. Daniel's God. Jesus is like Daniel, but he's greater. Now, notice some of the similarities in their stories. Daniel and Jesus both have jealous political leaders drum up false charges to have them arrested and killed. Daniel and Jesus had a senior political leader declare them innocent. Daniel and Jesus were both thrown into a pit and left for dead. Daniel and Jesus both had their pit covered with a large stone. Both of them had that large stone protected with the seal of the government. Daniel and Jesus both had loving friends run to their tomb early in the morning. Daniel and Jesus both were raised up from that pit. But here's where the similarities end. Because Daniel eventually died But Jesus defeated death. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus Christ saves. Jesus stops the mouths of lions. Jesus is bigger than political powers. Jesus is bigger than political laws. Jesus can conquer death. He can raise the dead. He is a king with a kingdom. And he is coming again to establish his kingdom where he will call all of his children out of the pit and place them in his palace. That's our Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.